Our reading this evening is from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I repeat, let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool, so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes lest one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Aratos was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to start with a little bit of the story of Jeremiah. To set the stage here for what's happening with Paul, Jeremiah was a prophet called at a miserable time to be a prophet, although I'm not sure there ever was a good time, because the prophets were called among God's people to warn them about their sin, to call them to repentance, to warn them against the coming danger, the coming judgment if they would not repent. That was Jeremiah's lot, and to be quite honest, he did not want it. Jeremiah did not want to be a prophet. Ah, Lord God, he said, behold, I do not know how to speak. I am only a youth. And like Moses before him, Jeremiah tries to find a way to get out of this job. The Lord won't have it. The Lord says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah doesn't have a choice. Like Jonah, he could try running away, but the Lord always finds the one he has appointed. The Lord always draws him back and puts him to work, even when he doesn't want to do it. But God gives Jeremiah some confidence. He says, don't say, I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Don't be afraid of them. Behold, God says, I am putting my words 
in your mouth. And the Lord reached out his hand and touched Jeremiah's lips and put his word in his mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And Jeremiah must have thought to himself, this is not what I signed up for. This sounds too great a task for me. Kind of like how Paul will say later, who is equal to this task? Who is sufficient for these things? And yet God had called Jeremiah, and here is what he called him to. Twenty chapters later, after God had appointed Jeremiah, he'd been preaching, and he'd been offering warnings, and he'd been calling the people and doing all kinds of parabolic signs, showing people what was coming, and they wouldn't listen. And then one of the priests heard Jeremiah prophesying all these things in Jeremiah chapter 20, and he put him in the stocks. He took Jeremiah and he put him on public display to be ashamed before everybody. And Jeremiah said to Pashur, the priest, he said, you shouldn't lay claim to that name, but you should instead call yourself terror on every side. Why? Because God is going to bring terror and judgment on the likes of you and on the likes of these people who won't listen to me, who won't listen to God. And Jeremiah was taken and he was abused and beaten and he said to God these words, O Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You are stronger than I am, and you have prevailed. I've become a laughingstock all the day. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak, I cry out, I shout violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. If I say, I'm not going to talk about this anymore, I won't speak anymore in his name, then there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. Jeremiah has to speak. Even when he puts up this kind of a struggle against God, he has to speak. God's word is like a fire burning inside of him. It's a fire because it is true. And it's a fire in spite of the word of judgment that is meant for salvation. Would that everyone heard the words of Jeremiah. Would that they saw his sufferings and listened to his preaching. If only they would have listened to their God and turned and repented. This, I think, is in the background of what's going on in 2 Corinthians. We've heard Paul already quote from the prophet Jeremiah. When Paul said, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord, he's quoting Jeremiah, who said, let not the rich man boast in his riches or the strong man in his strength, but instead let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Paul's setting himself up for what really is a grand finale to this letter to the Corinthians. The basic lay of the land is there are some false prophets among the people of Corinth. Just like the false prophets at the time of Jeremiah who were preaching peace when there was no peace. They were offering a different gospel, a different Jesus. They were offering salvation without a cross, salvation without suffering and without dying. Paul says, that's not how this works. That's not the gospel. That's not good news. And look at how they boast, Paul says. They're so proud of themselves. They speak so eloquently. They come to you and they offer such grand and wonderful things. Don't they look so good? And you, dear Corinthians, Paul says, you are so wise and you've got so much of the Spirit. What do I have to give to you? Maybe I'll boast too, Paul says. If that's the game we're going to play, if we're going to play a boasting game, I guess I can do that. I shouldn't do it, Paul says. I really shouldn't. This isn't how the Lord talks. I'm talking like a madman. I'm talking like a fool. But look at you, Corinthians. You, you indulge fools all the time. Maybe you'll indulge me. 
You even indulge it when they come to you and they abuse you, when they enslave you and they mistreat you. So certainly, Paul says, certainly, you could handle it if I do a little bit of boasting. And he goes on and on and on, this big setup for this grand finale. Paul is going to make his boast. And what does he do? I'm talking like a madman. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. We're all Jews here. We're all from the same blood. We're all from the same family. But of course, remember what God said about children of Abraham. He warned the Pharisees. He warned the scribes. He said, don't say to yourselves, we are children of Abraham, because God can raise up children for Abraham from the very stones that lie on the ground. Abraham was justified by faith. But yes, I too am a son of Abraham, just like all of them, Paul says. Are they servants of Christ? Well, I am a better one. And it is at precisely this point that you would expect anyone to give a list of successes. I am a better servant of Christ, and here's how you can tell. Because I built a massive church, and the pews are always full. Because I raised a quadrillion dollars to fund every charitable venture there ever was. Because my face is plastered all over the TVs, and my teeth are white, and I have lots of beautiful hair. That's how you know I'm a success. That's how you know I'm a faithful prophet. That's the boast that you would expect from a man making a boast about being a servant of Christ. I am a better one. But what does Paul do? He starts right into the worst things about him. Labors, imprisonments, beatings, being left for death, five times receiving lashes from the Jews, shipwrecked, stranded, danger on all sides, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, nothing going his way, nothing working out in a way that looks good to the world, folly on every side, no success whatsoever if you're measuring success by the world's standards. And apart from all of these things, Paul says, I lose sleep every night, all night long. I'm anxious for all of you. Look at my weakness. I spend all my thoughts on you, my beloved, and not on my success, not on the things I'm building, not on the things that I might treasure and hold fast and accumulate for myself. Who is weak, Paul says, and I am not weak. Who is made to fall? That is, who does not stumble into sin? And I don't bear in myself the guilt and indignation over that sin. If I must boast, Paul says, I'm going to boast in the things that show my weakness. If that's the game we're going to play, if that's the game we're going to play, I can play it better than them. All of the things that they are claiming, those false apostles, those detractors, those people who are offering you peace without a cross, it's all going away. All of their successes will be toppled. The biggest churches will crumble. The pews that are full, they will crack. The people who have sat in those pews, they will die. The money will fade away. It will burn up. It will be worthless. What good is all of that, Paul says? I will boast in my weakness because, as Paul will say next week, when I am weak, that is when Christ is strong. If I'm relying on my own strength, if I'm relying on my own success, then this is all a waste of time, because what can I do for you? What can they do for you? It is Christ who is all in all. It is Christ that we proclaim, him alone, Christ in his weakness, in his suffering, in his dying for you. In his handing over his life to be betrayed and crucified and buried with the sinners, that's 
where we see our success. That's where we see our glory. Unless their ministry, Paul says, is a better reflection of that, don't listen to them. Instead, hear this good news. Christ has died for you. Today is November 1st, which in the church calendar is All Saints Day, a day on which we traditionally remember those who have passed away, the faithful departed, those who have passed away over the last year. We're going to commemorate this day on this coming Sunday. We transfer the feast to Sunday. But it's fitting to think about that for just a moment. The gospel lesson for All Saints Day is the Beatitudes, where Jesus talks about what makes for a blessed man. And it is not the kinds of things that you would expect. What he offers as blessings are not the kinds of things that the world counts as blessings. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are you when others revile you and speak all kinds of evil against you and slander you falsely on my account. Blessed are you, not you will be blessed, but blessed are you right now because yours is the kingdom of heaven kingdom that will not fade away, a kingdom in which true riches are found, in which an undying glory is found, glory as of the only Son, begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is what is yours. That's what makes it a glorious thing, a joyous thing to listen to the words of Paul. He sets us all straight. He sets our hearts straight. Quote whatever boasting you have been doing in your hearts about the things of this life, the things of this world, the things that look good. Quit that boasting and instead boast in this, that Christ has died for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.